Thank you, praise team. I haven't heard that song in a long time. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I'm honored to be in front of you again. Uh, my name is Alan Vanderink, if uh, you don't know who I am. Uh, the first time I spoke here, I think it was at the end of January, and uh, Pastor Josh was sitting, obviously, in the front row there, and um, he was taking notes. And, you know, like, has anybody ever been in front of their boss, and they're in a meeting, and they're taking notes? It's like, you, you get a little tight. You know, you get a little nervous. Like, t I'm a teacher, and we get evaluated every year by our, our principals twice a year, generally. So, you know, when they're, you know, when they're in the room when you're teaching, you're just a little bit tight. So, so when, when Pastor Josh um, asked me to speak again, when he was on sabbatical, I'm like, okay, whoo, <laughs> all right. And, and he just gave great feedback. It wasn't anything negative. He was a great leader. Um, but, you know, it just adds that, you know, that dimension. But then the even funnier part of all this, last week I was in the hallway and Pastor Doug comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he goes, hey, brother, I'll be praying for you next, uh, this week because I won't be here. I'm like, What? Like, nobody's here, no lead pastors here. Are they nuts to leave me at the pulpit and they're gone? <laughs> so, so, so I automatically start thinking, again, I'm a teacher, so I go back to my student days. And we've all been there, um, high school, middle school. Do you remember walking into school, into your classroom, and guess what? The substitute teacher's there. Who remembers that? Oh, yeah. And you knew. You knew right then and there that day was not going to be normal. Right? And things were not going to go, unless you're me, I'm always laser focused, well behaved. But you knew it wasn't going to be normal. So today, church, I apologize. To, it's not going to be normal. I mean, that's okay. You know, and I give pastors a lot of credit. You know, preaching's difficult. Um, you know, I, we've all been there. We try to explain to somebody like our job or like how your day's going. You ever get on the phone and just call your spouse or your friend and you're, you're trying to get to them to be there to know what happened, right? And like, so when I talk to my dad, like I know right off the bat when he's not really paying attention to me. So when I'm talking to him and I might be going in again, trying to put him in my shoes or something, what happened? And he goes, wow. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't necessary, but I'm gonna keep going. And then I keep going to try to put him there and, he's, and there's a big pause really like he's not paying attention to me like have we all anybody have ever been there though we're trying to explain to somebody what it's like right and and like my, my first year of coaching I coach football as well so my first year of coaching Christine and I just just started dating and like like I didn't even like you knew but like man I'm like man there's you're busy during the season. Like she really didn't know. Like we were like, you don't know. Then, then you, you, you work your way up. And now, now I become a head coach. And it's like, you're not only busy during, like during the season, you're busy year round. But we didn't know those things until obviously you're in it. So what I say, preaching is difficult, you know, being my second time doing it. There's so many things to, to consider. And I know pastors' jobs aren't just preaching. Like, I get that, but obviously it's a big part of what they do. And, and so when you're putting a sermon together, you, you got a time frame, you know, you got, oh, say, what's going on in society? Should we bring that here? What scriptures to use? How much scripture to use? Um, you know, all of those things to take in consideration, and that's where, you know, I give them a lot of credit. So, so then I'm coming up with, you know, uh, the second time I'm coming up here, like, what do I do? 
Like, do I piggyback off what uh, Pastor Doug did last week? Do I, you know, listen to what Pastor Mindy did? You know, or do I just piggyback off what I did last time? You know, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm, I'm just putting my hands up. And I'm like, what? But you got to find a title, though, first. Like, you got to find a title like, of your papers. I'm in my master's right now, and all I do is write papers. And it's, you always got to start off with a title. The title page, APA format, and, and it's ridiculous. But the title's the most important. So I'm sitting there, I'm fasting. Like, I'm, like what do I do? Like, like, and this is what I come up with. Use what God gave you part two. Like, isn't that amazing? I'm just kidding, I didn't fast. I didn't fast at all. So last time I, last time I spoke on use what God has given you, I, I went into the book of Matthew, looked at the parable of the talents. And the main application was, you know, I gave my testimony and what God was doing in our life and, uh, you know, and to use what God has given you for his kingdom to fulfill the great commission. So when we leave this earth, we want to be, we want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. So this morning, I want to go a little bit, okay, what are some things we aren't doing, maybe neglecting our gifts that God has given us? And what are some things we can do to enhance or start using, you know, our gifts and I say we, because as I was researching this topic and some different things, you know, obviously there's a lot out there. Um, you know, I, I really just started to take inventory of my life and, and what, 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 when, when I am not using the, God, the gifts that God has given me, what am I not doing? What am I doing? So really, church, this, this morning isn't just for you. It was a lot of what, what, what was going on in my life as well. Um, but before I move on to that, I'm also assuming that you know the gifts that God has given you already. And if you don't, I can't stress enough how important that is. Here at church, at First Church, I'm sure we probably won't start those back up until Pastor Josh gets back from sabbatical, but we do next steps classes. And in the next step class is, you know, part of it is they, they send you questions, questionnaires, and, and what it does is try to, you know, really hone in on what your God-given gifts are. And even the better part of that is what they try to do after that is then plug you into different parts of the church to start using them. So I'm also assuming that you know what your gifts are, right? If you don't, we got to get plugged into next steps and, and, and we discover what that is. So why do we neglect our gifts? And as I was researching that, the Wall Street Journal reports that between years 2014 to 2020, 41 billion, 41 billion dollars of unused gift cards in that time. 41 billion dollars of people don't use in free money. 41 billion. And, and I'm labeled a couple things about money. One of them is cheap. I think I'm frugal and smart, but a lot of people call me cheap. I don't know about you. When I get gift cards, like we use them suckers at our house. Like to every cent, like this looks like a elementary school math problem. It starts off at 50 and we do a lot of subtracting and we put it on there, how much left is on it? $41 billion of free money not used. So why do we neglect our gifts? Reason number one, we're too busy. I will give you also a heads up this morning, church. The last time I preached, family and friends of mine you know, put it on social media platforms and whatnot. And, and the pastor at our old church saw it, okay? And we, him and I reached out to each other and I asked him, I go, Pastor Gray, you know, what can I do to improve? I mean, he didn't even hesitate. So he must've had it ready. 
Yeah. Use more scripture. I said, okay, so hey, if you've got anybody to blame, you can blame him. This morning, I'm going to be all over scripture. So I'm going to have them all on the screen so you don't have to flip all the way around, but, it, you know, just to keep up. Um, so we're going to start from Book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus explains, and others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. When life issues get in our head, there's no room left for God. The cares of the world literally choke out the word from our life. Worldly busyness disconnects us from God. Our relationship with God is living and breathing. It needs time, it needs nourishment in order for it to grow. Who's busy? Raise your hand. Who's busy? I put two of them up. Busy. I get it. But we have to take inventory of our life. If we're, not, if we're too busy to spend time with God, to spend time with God's people, to spend time in God's house, then we have to change something. You know, travel sports are super popular right now in, in, in teenage ages and things. It's, it's just getting a little bit ridiculous. But again, that's not the part of the sermon. But it's, there's nothing wrong with travel sports either. They're not the devil or anything. You want to do what's best for your kid. But travel sports, you're, 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 never in, you're, you're always gone on the weekends, right? And you're, you're never in church and you get so busy. And, you know, and I did it as a kid. My parents, we were in travel sports. We were never home. We were never in church. And again, we, we have to caution ourselves there. Like, what is our God? Like, what are we showing to our kids what our God is? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, football's important to me. It's, our, it's part of our calling and our, my ministry. But, well, I was going to say there's only one thing that will take me out of it, but there's two. Number one, if I get fired, because that would be one and I'd get out of it. But number two is, is if it gets so busy, like, I, I, I'm not spending time with my family or church. If it gets to that point, then I'm getting out of it. We all have to take inventory at times because we're all, we're busy. Things you go back, I get it. Trust me, this is not, not like, hey, you can't be, I mean, we're all busy. But when we can't hear and listen to God, and if our relationship isn't growing, we're not growing spiritually, we have to take inventory and, and get away from the busyness. I've got an awesome quote by Billy Graham. Nothing can calm our souls more or better prepare us for life's challenges than time spent alone with God. So reason number one, busy. Reason number two, too distracted. Got a humbling quote here. Many Christians live and work in this world as if their Christianity was a low priority in life. And this world and its pleasures were all important. When indeed the things of this world are fleeting and Christianity is the one thing we need most. I tell my football players all the time, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If you want to get into the weight room and, and be big and strong, and you tell me you want to be great, like, okay, you'll find a way to get in here. Or I, I tell them, this is what I tell them, if you want to date that pretty girl, you're going to find a way to get her phone number, Snapchat, Instagram, something. You'll find a way. 
you know, the, the big linemen, the big boys on our team, the most important guys on our team, they, they you know, they, they love the buffets. They love to go to all you can eat, Chinese buffets, all that stuff, right? They're always, they're always talking about where are we going to eat after practice? They're finding a way to make sure that if they don't have the money, they're going to find it. They're going to ask someone. If they don't have a ride, they're going to ask someone because it's important to them. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. That's all of us. Who has an iPhone in here? Most of us, cool. I don't know if every iPhone is like this, but mine is. So at 9.02 on Sunday morning, what does your iPhones do? Tells me your screen time. Okay. So at 9.02 in the morning on Sundays, what it does is spits out a report. How much did you use the phone? And again, I'm not saying phones are of the devil and they're Satan. No, I'm not saying that. But we're distracted people. How much time are you on your phone? And again, it takes consideration like every time you're on your phone. So you could be worshiping and listening to music. It's going to count in a screen time. Right, but it, we we got to take inventory of that. I got kids in my class that are on their they're nine ten hours a day, nine or ten hours a day. Like, what are you doing? So mine this morning spit out at me two hours and forty nine minutes. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. I didn't look at it what I was on, but we got to take inventory of what we're doing. Being too distracted. I think at times we all fall into this. We we. When we get busy and we get distracted, we're, we're, because we're compartmentalizing our lives a little bit. What I mean by that is, okay, when we spend our alone time with God in the morning, whatever that time is, we're, we're in that sacred time. But as soon as we're done with that, we go into the secular. And then we come back and maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever we're doing church group, we're back in the sacred. And then we're back in the secular until Sunday morning for an hour and a half, and then we're back in the sacred. Do you see that? Like, we're supposed to be, all of us, in the sacred 24-7, 365. Like, no matter when it is, where you're at, that's the sacred time. But we do that because we're too distracted. Second Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17. I want you to hold on to this first sentence. But as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed, firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Reason number one, busy. Reason number two, too distracted. I should have made that bigger. I'm sorry. Reason number three, not blank enough. Fill it in. Not worthy, not smart, not righteous, not spiritual, not smart, whatever. Let's listen to what the word of God has to say about that. Romans 3, 11 through 12. Please listen. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Quote by Charles Spurgeon says this. There may be some sins of which a man cannot speak. But there... Did everybody hear that? We, I'm the wretch the song talks about. Right? We're the wretch the song talks about. All of us. 
No one's righteous, not even one. Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. Jesus didn't come for the people on top of the stairs. He came for the people on the bottom of the stairs. Because if you can look up, you can get up with him. So we have to stop worrying about the things that Satan, that is of Satan. I didn't say the phones are of Satan, that's of Satan. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. How do we start using our gifts or enhancing our gifts? Reason number one, believe. I, I can speak to them blue in the face. We can read all the scriptures we want. You have to believe. The book of Hebrews talking about children of Israel, the gospel, the word of God, it didn't profit them. Why? It wasn't mixed with belief and faith. Believe that God has a special calling for you. And he has given you and only you those supernatural gifts. The number one reason people back off or walk away or become lukewarm with their walk is because they disengage from their God-given purpose because they forget to believe. John chapter 20, verse 21 says this. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, in red there, and again, I know you can't read it, I apologize. It says, I am sending you. Let me read that to you again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John chapter four, verse 34 says this, my food said Jesus, is to do the will, of, the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His food, what does food provide for us? Energy, nourishment. If we do not believe, we lack the nourishment to do his will. We have to, number one, believe. Number two, have no fear. Like, I'm serious. We need to stop. And I'm, I mean, I'm serious. But like, we got to stop caring so much about what people say and think about us. And honestly, this is hard for me to even say because, like, we're so aware about everything in our house. Like, we need to stop being so self-aware. I'm not saying not take care of yourself and not bathe or stuff like that. But stop just caring so much about things. Relax. So let me, let, but let, me, let me put it to you this way. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Perfect love. What is perfect love? John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Perfect love to us is when we don't live in fear, we put our life on the line for him and for others. Because that's what perfect love is. You lay down your life for his sake 
and for others, you won't fear. Something good I heard, usually when it's something good, I didn't make it up, I will tell you that. This is really good. Any area that we have fear in, so any area that we have fear in is an area that we own and not God. Any area that we have fear in is an area that we own and not God. How do we overcome that? Lay lay your life down for him and for others. Perfect love casts out all fear. Reason number three, and probably the most important, stay in close communion with God. Be be consumed with the things of God. Be God-absorbed. The Bible tells us to, the God rewards those who what? Diligently seek him. Not sometimes, not when they feel like it, not when things are going good or when things are going bad. Things when, when diligently seek him. Jesus said, I seek the will of he who sent me. You know, I can, I, I can live in the same house as my wife and my kids. But if I don't put the phone down, the remote down, whatever, the golf clubs down. I don't have time for that anyway. But if you don't put the golf clubs down, I mean, I can live in the same house as them. But if I don't engage with them, my relationship with them will never grow. And I, and I, and I said this earlier, like that is the only thing that's going to get me away from coaching. If I feel coaching is messing with my family. In my walk. We have to take inventory of how we're spending our time. The things I've talked about this morning, the phones and, you know, travel sports, I hope you're not hearing me that I'm saying those are bad things. You can fill in the blank of what it is. What's keeping you from spending time with your, with your Lord? It's about walking with him And when we walk with him, we will see that we can believe and have no fear. Bow with me, please. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us for so many things. but forgive us for not using the gifts you have given us. I pray this morning, Father, that we aren't beat up or battered because we all fall short of your glory. I pray this morning we leave here inspired to believe you have called us. You have called us to stop living in fear, to defeat the distractions around us, and to turn our worry into worship. Help us to always remember that it's not who we are, but whose we are. We were wonderfully made and gifted by you. We were wonderfully made and gifted by you. Now, let us go fulfill what we have been called to do 
in your honor and glory. Amen.